Hello, Internet. Um, things are dinging, so we must be live. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, everyone. Um, Barry and I are on a good one. We've been uh, rolling behind the scenes with uh, some some banter. And um, can't share it with you all, but it's yeah. certainly fun to talk about. Uh, oh, I don't know. Should, I keep, should I kill this light? I feel like uh, perhaps that's too strong. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Are you back on again? Is it on now? No, it's there. It is. Is it too harsh? I'm, I'm playing around. It I'm could playing do around with like, some lighting. Everybody, hang on. It could do with like almost like a gel, gel filter over it or something, just to just to soften yeah. the light a bit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I feel so. This is the normal setup. Um, I have a new yeah. setup. I'll reward everyone who's here early. Uh, let's see here. So, so for everyone here's early, I've, I've made some upgrades. <laughs> You're very proud of that, aren't you? I am. And quite yeah, here, quite rightly so. You should be. It looks great. You know what? Hold on. Maybe maybe there's some issue with the top lights because I feel like this is even too much of a difference from normal too. Um, is it potentially? Hold on. Could I'm, do. I'm investigating. Hold on. Is it potentially? So I think I have traditionally like a softer blue back there. Maybe that's like doing the trick. Like I don't know. Hang on. Let's see here. How about how about that? Does that? I don't know. I feel like I should have done this before. Sorry, everyone. I'm like messing yeah. with my settings. So uh, is the pre-show goodness. Yeah. Um, anyway, hi. We're here. Uh, it's a pre-show. We're talking human factors and stuff. Um, I've realized that actually with my setup now, I do nothing but um, promote road quite quite strongly because yeah, my you, do. you know, yeah. you should put a pair of stickers there. Uh, that's both human factors cast and twelve oh two the human factors podcast side by side. That's true. I should. Um, I was just looking at that earlier, tried to try to cover it up because we could do that, um, and absolutely we could. Um, that means I need to get some stickers. Um, so make you know, practice cast stickers, so we we can make that work. Um, yes, that would work quite well actually, because we've got there's quite a bit of piece. Alternatively, somebody's listening who wants to sponsor this sponsor bit, the this, show. This bit, well, just this bit of boom arm for maybe I don't know what a million pounds for that. Yeah, you know what? You know, I'll go. I'll go even one step further, go on then. and say that uh, you know what? There's like this. Um, there's this real estate uh, down here where we keep our um, our logo. I'm gonna flash the logo right, right down there where we keep that logo. There's some real estate to the left of that. That you know, even if we have a news story, um, you know, it doesn't quite hit there. So if you if you want your logo there and want to support the show, we do have a show sponsor tier on our patreon you can uh always ask us questions about that that's um, true so if i I'd, I'd strongly encourage anybody to do so because <laughs> um, these these teslas won't buy themselves they will not buy themselves and we just bought uh some stuff for the lab so Ooh. yeah fun <laughs> stuff i don't remember did i talk about the automation last week on the show i don't think i did um yeah, we, I, talk, we, we you talked about it in aspiration because you because we you were messing around with it, but I hadn't quite got that yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, there's some really fun things that I've done, including automating our show notes, uh, which, you know, I'm, I'm okay with sharing this publicly. We have um, we have some proprietary lab stuff that I don't necessarily want to show you, but this is this is actually quite a complex workflow. You know, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about it because okay. I realize that that our patrons are listening later, and so showing it's probably not going to be um the best thing but I, I will talk about this process that we're using for our automation and it's quite 
interesting. So we're using Zapier. Allows you to connect and integrate with a bunch of different um, applications like Google Drive and uh, RSS feeds and email and other services that you probably use uh, in some way, shape, or form. Facebook, uh, Twitter, all that stuff. It integrates with everything. And um, basically, uh, what we have done behind the scenes over here is um, I was realizing I spent a lot of time on show note production. And a lot of it, the, the, the part that I was getting frustrated with is the pieces that I need to change every week. Title, okay, update the number by one. Okay, intro, update the number by one. Description, update the number by one. Um, you know, gather everyone who's going to be on the show today. Uh, then get their social information and get all that, um, you know, promotion information, all that stuff. Get the story, get the title, um, get uh, the Reddit posts and put those in the show. Like, there's a lot of work. A lot of it we do live here in the pre-show and that's fine. Um, and we still will do some of that. I'm sure we won't have everything prepared week to week like we did this week. Um, but with that being said, uh, there's like a lot of things that we can automate. Like, why can't I just make a document and have it automatically pull in the right date? Um, and that seems like it's, you know, something that you should be able to do pretty easily. Um, there's always the, uh, th th there's always templates that you can use, right? So Google Drive, which is what we use for our document production has templates, but you got to pay for them. Um, and, you know, the lab doesn't have that kind of money uh, for workspace. So, you know, we're working off the free version of Google Drive right now, which is fair. And um, that's how we save on costs, everyone. So anyway, we invested into Zapier to do a, a, a more than just this. But the show notes is really interesting because, um, you know, also in the show notes, I have you, you know, kind of say, what's the latest over at 1202? It's pulling in all that now automatically, too. So you don't have to go, OK, what was my latest episode? Who did I talk to? What was the title? What's the link? Um, and it throws that in the description for me. Uh, so so basically what we're doing, um, this is a very complex process uh, that I needed to make it work because Zapier operates off of triggers. And so... Um, the trigger that I've set up for everything here is just a little checkbox in one cell in an Excel file or a, a Google Sheets file. When I check that box, it makes show notes. Wow. And it's all the steps in between that make it really interesting. So, you know, next to that checkbox, you have uh, a bunch of different, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, well, uh, columns, uh, data entry fields, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, show note uh i'm i'm looking at the formatter right now uh but basically um you have you know what what episode is it well that's the increment by one you have what date is it going to be on uh which could change depending if we take a week not or not off so we can't just automate it to increment one every time right there's some things that we need to take care of behind the scenes here yeah, yeah, what's yeah. the title yeah you know you make a title uh what's the news story title which is different from the title that we use right the title that we use tonight is how human factors can help pilots catch a rocket booster in midair and um the uh the, the title of the story is a helicopter will try to catch a rocket booster in midair so it's slightly different but um you know sometimes they're even more different than that the news story link the news story source the related episode at the end. We always recommend a related episode. Mm -hmm. um, 
supplemental info for the topic. So, you know, recently we've been pulling in some supplemental info articles for the stuff, you know, so like we, we throw those in um, and a link if applicable. Uh, and then also along the lines there, we have, you know, the panelists. Most of the time it's just Barry and myself, but occasionally we'll get a third or a fourth. Um, all the it came froms and then a V lookup to pull in the it came from text. But how do we get the it came from text? Well, we have another automated process that automatically searches all these it came froms, posts it in our Discord so we can see it internally. We don't post that like public facing Discord. That's like our lab Discord stuff for us to tag and comment on to say, yes, I want to talk about this. And then after it does that, it logs it in a in a separate sheet on this Google Drive document so that way I can do the VLOOKUP. That's really quite but clever, obviously, but then also intricate as well. It's um Yeah. So there's multiple layers of automation going here. And then and then it gets it gets better. Hold on. So then we have uh you know the the panelists um the the hosts one more thing, the panelists one more thing, all that stuff. I have a commercial randomizer now. Ooh, so it pulls okay. in a random value uh, and ensures that it doesn't talk about the same thing that we talked about last week. So normally, you know, after the Patreon commercial, we talk about one million different types of things, right? Like a merch store or a website yeah, yeah. or our Human Factors Minute production or anything like that. And so it pulls in something that I know we haven't talked about in a while. Um, there's a field to update any of our patrons if we get any more, uh, you know, honorary staff patrons. We'll throw those in there to make sure we thank them. Mm-hmm. So where's the Barry Kirby story? Well, that's a separate sheet that is handled by a separate set of automation. So what happens for that automation is it's, again, quite clever, I think. it um, Whenever there is a new post in your podcast RSS feed, yeah, it deletes a row in that separate spreadsheet, the row that had information populated in it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it repopulates that row with the new stuff. So it's always the latest episode information in that sheet. Uh, and I call it 1202 tracker. It brings in, you know, your latest episode title, your latest episode caption. And I have the automation for the show notes. Go and look at that, that sp- those specific cells and pull them in appropriately. Um, I'd love to get to the point where, you know, we're sending out these emails to people every week that have been on the show to say, hey, would you like to be on the show again? Uh, and and talk about you know, these topics. I'd love to get to the point where if anyone signs up with those, it automatically populates their name into the panelists. And, you know, the, the, the process is automated to where I'm asking them for their bio, their picture, all that stuff, throw it in the website and then um, put their information here. So that way it's just uh, it, it fills in the um, fills in the workflow even further. So I don't have to do anything. I just know who's coming and then once the show notes are generated, it would send a note to anyone who signed up on that sheet. Um, that's that's the hope, cool. is that we get this thing so mature that it just happens. Um, and then once you also then combine that with, um, what's that other program we've been looking at that will basically do the show for us as well? Oh, uh, yeah. It's a deep fake. Then um, we just don't need to be here. Exactly. It, it automatically generates a script for us uh, and creates the banter back and forth. I mean, what could possibly go wrong with that? I still 
argue that that would be a fascinating episode to put out there as a I, bonus content. I think we should. I think we should give it a go. Um, if for do we have else, the tools though? That's the thing. Is like, do we have the tools? Well, we don't know until we try. Maybe that. Maybe this is something that if if anybody's interested in the lab, um, or come to join the lab to help us produce a deep fake version um, as a as a bonus <laughs> content episode. Um, if you're into that sort of thing, then come and join the lab and we could give it a go. I, I think it'd be I think it'd be fun to do. It'd be a, an interesting an interesting case study. Yeah, for sure. Um, it'd be a great time. But uh, yes, it, it would. I, no, I think I genuinely think it'd be fun. I think so too. So yeah, I'm I'm obviously still fiddling a lot in the background as well because I I obviously derigged um, to go to conference and and I'm still realizing How'd that. that well, it went so well um, because I I. I, I packed everything in because I not only had to pack my stuff, but I had to pack Amanda's stuff as well because she was getting the train up on the Monday, but I was going on the Sunday. So I packed the back of the car and I made sure I had my suitcase. I made sure I had her suitcase. I had my fancy new bag for carrying the, the Roadcaster uh, because mm -hmm. that's an expensive piece of kit and I didn't want that to be damaged. And I made sure that the expensive, this microphone, because this microphone is also expensive. Um, you think I'm sponsored by Road at the moment. I'm not, but let's just do that. Um, the... So I had all that gear and, and that sort of stuff, and that that was really good. I was really excited. Got, I got, I had everything from the, my new roller banners as well. So my roller banners were there, and um, it was brilliant. I had all the kit. So I then drove to Birmingham, which is about what, two hour, two and a half hours away from here. So that was fine. Did that Sunday. Got there. I had to take the car park wasn't was about two minutes away from the hotel. Okay. So I had to do two trips for all the suitcases the podcast gear all the way up to the fifth floor put it all there so i had all, had all that sort of stuff and then it wasn't till monday morning no sunday evening monday morning okay it must have been sunday evening um no it wasn't it was early monday morning because i woke up at half past five and was going you know what i'm just going to get because i've obviously i've got my um my remote mics um i was like i'm going to make sure they're ready because if nothing else i can make sure i've got them with me at all times to capture any cool bits of audio or an impromptu um interview and all that sort of stuff and i was like ah where's right where's where's my silver flight case because the silver flight case is quite important because it has right. every single cable um so a, um, every single xlr cable every single phono cable every single um spare microphone so the, the cheaper microphones where um, I had all the um, my remote mics, had all the stickers, had basically all the glue that holds all the expensive stuff together was in one case because I couldn't forget one big case, could I? Right. Turns out right. I because it was in my dining room back here, and and Amanda had already left on the train, so she couldn't pick it up. So I took all of that gear all the way there up to the fifth floor in the hotel for no reason whatsoever because I couldn't use any of it. Yeah, Boy, was I annoyed. Um... There was some there was some language. You know the what? Language wasn't, the language wasn't good. <laughs> the, the the podcasting world is brutal. Um, you know. Yeah. I yeah. I've definitely. I, I we talked. I've I've done that before. Uh, and uh, that's not fun. Um, but I understand that we'll still have some sort of coverage from EHF. Is that right? Yes. So right. I've been. I reached out to the community, and um, on my on on the socials, and said, look, if you went. Do you fancy 5, 10, 15 minute chat about what you thought about it? Um, how you thought it went? What was your favorite bit? Um, what did you learn? What did you, you know, was there something that surprised you? 
Um, and so loads of people have reached out already. And so I've almost got a good chunk of tomorrow lined up already. Tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday um, of people willing to spend five, ten minutes of their time. Give me some of that. And then I also had another idea. And I put that out this evening just before I came out, which was if anybody wants to give me their feedback, but just to do a recording, obviously on our um, on the um, on the on the web page, there is a um, answer phone facility, a voicemail facility. So I've also said if you want to go on that and just tell us who you are, where, which bit of the conference you went to, because there was a virtual bit, there was a live bit, there was both, um, and what you thought of it, then hopefully we'll get all of that, and that will give us a whole bunch of content. So we'll do. Um, I've got the, the people who organized it and all that sort of stuff. So we're going to bundle that into a um, one episode. And then we're going to have some more content for Human Practice Cast um, from people who attended about what they learned from it and what, what, all that sort of stuff. So we'll get we'll get so much content from me screwing up. We'll get it. We'll get it. It'll be fine. Uh, I just realized, sorry for everyone visually, uh, that these lights dim. And so I think that's a good compromise right there. Anyway, yes, I, th I think, um, you know, I'm excited to uh, talk to you about it because uh, one thing that we do here on our show is kind of like these retrospectives of like, what, what was the conference or what can you expect from or conference previews. And, you know, it's been a while since we've done some conference coverage. So it'll be nice to sit down with you mm. and actually do that. We might take, uh, we, we might do that over a couple of these uh, post shows. Um, and string them together as a separate episode for you all. So that might be a good idea. It would be because there was a certainly a bunch of experiences there that I've never done before. So that's awesome. You know, yeah. So like introducing people. Now we've introduced loads of people. This, but I've never had the ability to introduce a friend before, um, which was you know for one of the one of the uh, big keynotes. So that that was exciting. Um, that is exciting. Yeah. So, so Barry, why why don't um. Why don't we plan to do that? We'll, we'll like plan the uh, we'll plan this this post show. Um, yes, we'll, so, we'll plan it, and then we'll we'll start recording next week uh, in like the post show. And I think it's okay to keep those post shows like public. I don't. Yeah, know, no, we, I mean it'll, it'll all still go. It'll it'll still go, and then no doubt we'll um, put some sort of creative spin on it and um exactly and so then then the actual output will be slightly different different again so yeah no let, let's do that that sounds like a good okay. idea that sounds good uh, um we are what uh 12 minutes away and i think the show notes are done because i spent some time this week making sure that that automation worked and that the yeah uh yeah i think the only thing that we might be able to do is maybe tighten up some of these bullet points uh because there's a lot there um I feel like uh, you know if if we want to if you want to take like the bottom up from like culture here, and yeah, just point make point. every sentence a bullet point, and then kill the sentences that don't make sense, and I'll work from the top down so software, yeah, uh, you know we'll, we'll just kind of do that, and I think that'd be a good way to um, sort yeah, maybe, out this info. Which I don't do what I did last week. Which was exactly, yeah, because I I think uh, that that prep work actually goes a long way when we're reading it off on the show <laughs> i want to make sure that we have done that um this time uh culture yeah so tonight's story is really interesting uh we're gonna be talking about um catching a rocket with a helicopter as, as you do as you do is that something you've ever wanted to do barry um no Okay, Actually, I thought about it, uh, but no, I don't. I don't think it's there. Um, it is interesting though, because obviously we 
most people, as as we'll we'll talk about, think about what um, what SpaceX has been doing, and this is just a different uh, different way of that. doing that. Yeah, um, and maybe a, a lower cost, um, quicker uh, quicker to market version, um, which is interesting just to talk about from the evolution of of ideas themselves. Um, so yeah, for, so that 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 is quite cool in in of itself. Um, yeah, I you know I when I saw this I was like, why don't you just do what SpaceX is doing? But then you know I I I see the benefits to doing this in this way. Um, but man, a lot of things have to go right, and we could talk about some of the human factors issues that need to occur or that impact the ability to perform this uh, maneuver correctly. It's a bit disappointing um, though. I've got to admit, because we'll talk about what the actual solution is. Um, in fact, from, from a human factors perspective, in many ways, the solution itself actually isn't that important yeah. um, because it's all about, it's all in the planning and, and and how you do that. But the um, you, I expected just off the title to have a really big grabber. You know, like you get in the in the arcades where you have the. Mm -hmm. The soft toy. I wanted a really big grabber on the bottom of the helicopter, where they had to come up and sort of tilt back, grab it, and then yeah. go back. So really, um, aerobatic uh, flying. Um, right. It's a little uh, a little sloppier than that, I think. Um, it is. There's, there's some slop, which was uh, which was disappointing to see. But there we go. I mean, is it? Um, I don't know if it's disappointing. Yeah, it, it it makes sense. You know, it, it is. I, I mean, is 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 I I feel like there's one specific aspect of this that makes it a little bit disappointing to you. Is it the parachute? Yeah, <laughs> it's because yeah, I know. When you when you read the title, you're like, oh, oh, sh how is it gonna do that? How is it gonna snag something out of midair? Well, it's moving very slowly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like right, okay, fair. Because basically, I mean, I it reminds it. me of you used to have um, skyhooks. Yeah. Um, still do, you know, on using on. Uh, I think they generally use Hercules to do it. And so you you let off this thing, and then sort of you get fired into the air. It's brilliant and uh, really good to see. Um, yeah, and it just sort of it, this is just almost a, cru a crude version of that. Um, looking at these. Duh, duh, duh. Live West seems to be repeated twice. Culture, we've got culture twice. Uh, well, yes, but there's different points in each of them. Um, oh yes, it is. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just read it. Just merge them. Merge them. Oh. Uh, it's okay to merge those. Um, if you've deleted them already, then no, I haven't deleted. I'm touching them. I was just looking at the titles going because actually we've only cool because this one's crossed over there. Uh, oh, we got one oh no, because we've got that that live West Yeah, that one there. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. We can merge. We can merge them. Because um, well, in the in the shell model, you always break out the two thing, don't you? That's kind of what uh, this is using. Um, oh, yeah. I guess that's fine. It, it, it's uh, model, which I've done before because I used to call. I used to have a model that I used to train on, which was basically um, shell, but with two L's. But I used to call it Le Shell with the one shell. L at the back. Because, yeah. Uh, and then I realized I was just, I don't know why I did it. Um, and then I just realized I sounded like a moron. Uh, but, um, Michelle. 
So. Look, I don't know. I don't know how well this this supplemental material is going to go with the t- story tonight. I really don't, because uh, like you said, Barry, and this might be burying the lead a little bit, but um, the uh, th- there's not really a whole lot of complex things going on here uh, from a pilot's perspective, and this may seem disappointing to some, and so I, I don't know. I. I uh, it, it feels like often the most disappointing episodes end up being some of the top performers. <laughs> so I don't know why that is. I see, uh, but now, now you're double bluffing us, aren't you? So yes, I am. So which one's it going to be? Is it going to be yeah, a top so, performer, or is this one going to be uh, a dud? We'll see. Um, I I I think my personal opinion. This is going to hit feeds in a way that we haven't hit before because of some keywords. Oh, there you go. Um, and I feel that it will perform well, better than better than our previous episodes, uh, which is a trend, by the way, just in general. We typically perform better than we did the week before. Um, that is growth. Uh, <laughs> that's podcast growth. But I, I think um, the magnitude will be uh, slightly larger than we see week to week. Um, that's my prediction. Okay, we'll take your prediction. And, and how and what are you putting on this prediction? Oh, is there, uh, is there cash? Are we talking drinks? Or are we talking chocolate bars or stickers? Let's say. Um, I don't, uh, let's see. Okay. This is, so let's say uh, a public, well, no, let's say, let's say during one of our lab meetings, uh, Mm -hmm. someone gets a free pass to, um, do something ridiculous. I don't know. Like, like Barry, if you want to, uh, during one of the lab meetings, if you're like, okay, now we're going to go on a tangent about the human factors of kittens or something. I don't don't know. Uh, that could be, you know, um, interesting tangent. There was something, what was I reading about? today oh it's about um behavior of dogs actually um you know mm. every everybody thinks that the um the way that dogs uh, behave behave or whether how aggressive they are or whatever is is somewhat genetic as well as um as well as you know uh, behavior trained and um there was this um study that says actually no it's not it's it is all training there's very little uh, genetic pass down mm. uh, i still find it quite hard to believe but there we go yeah Nature and nurture. Mm. Yes, nurture. That's what I was looking for. Not very good on the words this week. I have to say, I am incredibly tired. And, um, oh man, I've had, to go, I've had to go for a blood test this week for the whole um, long COVID nonsense oh, uh, yeah. to see um, to see true impacts. Because apparently, me just sitting here, just going, I'm just really tired. Um, he's he's not he's not usual behaviour. So I was reminded that there is a. Uh... Someone, someone posted in our Discord about going to the Houston HFES. I want to reach out to them and say, hey, if you want to <laughs> you talk about that. Yeah, t- take cables with you. <laughs> wants to, uh, about their experience on the show, let me know. Love to catch up. Uh, okay. There. 
Someone just posted in the lab. Uh, yeah, well, that's the general discussion, yeah. The general discussion, I see. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, boy. I am... Uh... It's like interactive. Um... Yes, it's been a long week for me, too. Um, this, Truthfully, I, I, I have been... Um... Not dread, dread is not the right word. <laughs> okay. I I'm failing to come up with a word right now. It's like I, I apprehension. Apprehensive is a good word. Yeah. Uh, uh, of today because I don't want. Thank you. Now my brain can finally continue on. Um apprehensive of today because i i know my brain is not where i want it to be with or without medication which is very frustrating um sorry this <laughs> well, well we're in the pre-show i had a uh uh I, I switched to a higher dosage of um a controlled substance and i am uh th there's like no no effect right and uh it's um very frustrating and uh anyway all this to say one of the uh things that my therapist recommended uh that w without you know uh, prescribing any new things again controlled substance um is is uh well why don't you try not taking it and see how you feel uh and i was much worse off <laughs> I was right. uh, very irritable. I was very, um, got very sweaty. So lots of like, basically, um, I was very irritable. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Anyway, not tonight though. I'm just lethargic tonight, so we'll make it through. Uh, let's, um, let's take a quick break and we'll be back and we'll start the show and we'll see how this goes. Let's do this. But yeah, let's, Thank you, Barry, for that photo confidence. We'll be right back. Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for human factors, psychology, and design. It is Thursday night. This is episode 243. We're recording this live episode, uh, on April 28th, 2022. This is Human Factors Cast. I'm your host, Nick Rome. I'm joined today by Mr. Barry Kirby. Sitting hey, across from me. <laughs> How are you it doing? Is. Hey, I tried to switch it up for the intro. I did. I, I, was trying I like to be... that. It was, there was energy. There was dynamicism. And that's a big word. Um, I liked it. Now, and now it's going to taper off. We got a great show for you all tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking about how a helicopter will attempt to catch a rocket booster in midair. We'll also answer some questions from the community about the reality of what the day-to-day -day is like for a UX designer or researcher. We're also going to be talking about changing career paths to UX research and our thoughts on data-driven personas. But first, let's talk about some quick uh, community updates, programming notes, whatever you want to call it. Barry, what's the latest over at 1202? Well, the latest over 1202 is that I've been finding a bit wanting this week because we were meant to be pulling together lots of material for um, out of the Human Factors Conference over here in the UK. So it was EHF 2022. Turns out that when you leave the box with all your cables, that you can't get in live material. But um, the community has come together and we will be pulling, pulling some interviews um, to, to today and tomorrow. So there will be a new episode coming up 
with a montage of different opinions and thoughts about how that conference went, what people learned from it, and what they would like to see next time. We'll, we'll also have some coverage for you here on uh, the Human Factors cast. And in the meantime, you can always check out the latest episode over there. Uh, I guess we're at that part of the show where we talk about Human Factors news. Is that now? Yeah, that's now. Yes, Human Factors news. This part of the show where we talk about exactly that. Barry, what's the story this week? So this week is going to be how a, a, a helicopter will try and catch a rocket booster in midair. So the longest journey begins with a single step, and that step gets expensive when you're in the space business. Earth's gravity is so stubborn that by necessity, two-thirds of the rocket is in the first stage. And that first stage has historically ended up as trash on the ocean floor after less than three minutes of flight. Making those boosters reusable is clearly the dream. SpaceX recently has been famously been landing its Falcon 9 boosters on drone ships, which is amazing and mind-bending to watch, but actually in reality, with the complexity behind it, is very hard to pull off. Rocket Lab, another um, company within the uh, within the space domain, says it's got another way. If all goes well, its next flight that's going to be carrying 34 satellites, instead of being dropped in the, in the Pacific, the, these uh, spent first stage will be snared in midair by a helicopter as it descends by parachute. It'll then be brought back to base for possible refurbishment and reuse. This is going to be clearly going to be a complex maneuver. The helicopter needs to be in exactly the right spot. They need to know exactly where the first stage is, is and it's going to be, and how, how it decelerates so that they can catch it. They've practiced each individual element, and this exercise is all about putting together all them individual elements to, and making them work. There are no guarantees that it's going to work, and it's, go, they, it's going to be quite interesting to see if they can actually make it um, pull it off. Nick, are you into helicopters catching uh, first stage boosters as they drop out of the air? Oh, I, this is this is my favorite. Uh, the the story. This is the, my favorite thing to do is catch rocket boosters out of the air. Uh, look, like um, so so uh, really quick, just a quick update on this. I'm looking now to see if there has been any update. Uh, they had said the it it would potentially be April 27th or April 28th, and to be clear, we are recording this on April April 28th. We're looking now on the Rocket Lab website live to see if in fact uh this has happened, and it does not look like it has uh look like it now they're targeting tomorrow april 29 so this is still a, a a developing story we like to talk about these things after they happen but um you know it was planned to happen before the show uh anyway there's just some delays my initial thoughts uh this at first glance is very cool it seems like there's a lot of really complex things going on here um but as you and i had discovered or talked about in the pre-show it might be a little bit more simple than that. But Barry, what are, what are your kind of initial thoughts here? Gut reaction. I really like it. I mean, people who uh, listen to other episodes of, of the show know that I'm a, a bit of a SpaceX geek, a bit of a SpaceX fan. But where SpaceX has obviously done a lot of work around um, quite intricate maneuvers in getting landing onto um, onto a onto a sea, sea platform and land platforms to get it to land in such a, a way that it's you could almost fly fly off again straight away this is taking a I guess it's cheaper I guess it's more reusable um, and and that type of thing um, and so what they're doing they're taking that innovation the next to the next stage how do they take something that is that has kind of been done and um, 
in in a way um but actually making it cheaper making it more effective making it so that it is a different way of, of playing with it and it'll be interesting to see if they can pull it off because i think it is it is a complex thing to do um that you're you're playing around with situational awareness you're playing around with your with um a, a, a changing um environment um but fundamentally this should make space more accessible yeah uh it, it's a different way of doing the same thing but for cheaper and uh yeah for cheaper <laughs> i mean look like there's there's I, I hate to put the cart before the horse, but I almost want to talk about the solution here and what's happening. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with that. Yes. Because uh, the, the way that I wanted to approach this episode was like, let's look at human factors and helicopter transportation and in uh, helicopter culture and all that stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's a good springboard. It's something that we haven't really talked about on the show before. And so it's, you know, good to talk about. But I think, um, yeah, let's let's talk about the the solutions uh to to what this is essentially they're they're grabbing a helicopter and and catching a parachuting um uh rocket with with a with a sky crane um I, yeah I, I mean just to i guess it, well, let's why don't we start off just by quickly um outlining what they're expecting to do yeah. Um, so they're, they're going to launch. Um, they're going to they, they, their rocket's called called Electron. So they're going to do this Electron launch, which has done loads of stuff before. Um, it's about it's eighteen meters tall, so it's quite. Um, so the, the 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 first stage rockets are about twelve meters tall, so that's quite a decent um, size. It's going to take off from New Zealand. The first stage burns out after about seventy kilometers, um, and. So that's about two, two and a half minutes into the flight. So it'll drop off and following a long arc. And we've all seen that. I think most people have seen that, that sort of thing on telly where it falls. So it does descend quite comparatively slowly. You can you can sort of see that happen. But now they've equipped them with heat shielding. Um, so then, because it obviously reached quite a hot temperature. At about 13 kilometers um, above the Earth, a drug parachute, parachute will deploy. And then followed by a main shoot at about six, six, six kilometers. And that the the time between that thirteen and six is about um, sixty seconds, so they, that slows the rocket substantially. So that rocket will only be descending at about thirty six kilometers an hour. It still feels quite weird to say thirty six kilometers an hour is slow. Um, so then, what they're going to do is they're going to have a helicopter um, going and using this uh, using the helicopter to go and catch the this parachute this rocket that is um, descending on parachute. And so what they're going to be doing is using um, a grappling hook on a long cable, uh, which does sound like it's something out, a bit out of a Bond movie. Um, so the plan is for the helicopter to fly over the rocket, so over the top of the parachute, snag the cable, uh, snag the parachute cables, the, the parachute lines, in this trailing grappling hook. The rocket should never get wet. The rocket should never get in the water. It should just be lowered onto a ship or back on land. Um and so that will then make that all all re reusable. By the fact that you've got no salt um, salt corrosion on the rocket or anything like that, that's where the value of this this comes into play. And you think with that that you know I don't know if anybody's YouTubed. Um, I I know I have because again geek. Um, the amount of failures that SpaceX had in doing in landing on its drone on its uh, drone ships, um, there was lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of failures before 
the uh, before the success, and now they have more often than not they have success. Um, whereas this actually sounds really simple, comparatively simple. Um, you know, the pilot's got to fly over. Um, it might be a we could talk about whether this is a sighted or an unsighted catch. Um, how do they manage that? How do they? What other skills are they employing that they should already have? Right. Um, but there's no new technology into um, into the rockets themselves. It throws a parachute. It doesn't have to re-navigate itself back to uh, uh, back to Earth. It doesn't have to um, work out where it's at. It doesn't have to re-fire um, its 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 rockets or anything like that to get the right attitude. It doesn't have to coordinate with a drone ship. Um, so it doesn't have to navigate anywhere. It, the more I talk about, it, actually, the more it's quite the more it is quite exciting. Uh, it is exciting. Yeah. No. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. This is exciting. This is exciting. It just it's it seems like maybe it's just to me the um the solution mm-hmm. is so um basic isn't the word that i'm looking for but it, it's just so practical that it just it yeah. feels like why didn't we think of this before um <laughs> you know especially when you when you do consider all those uh added costs of you know the salt corrosion and everything uh the 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 littering of these rocket boosters on the ocean floor i think you're absolutely right. There's um some some a lot of excitement around it for for sure for for you and I uh even and and um I it's just the sol- solution so simple. Catch catch a parachute th- attached to a rocket with a helicopter. And um you know if you're looking at the thumbnail for this episode it's it's exactly that. So, yeah, I mean so I guess from Looking at it from 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 this human factors perspective, the the big skill here is obviously in the in the pilot or the crew of the aircraft. So they're using the Sikorsky um, to do that, and they're going to hang um, a long cable underneath with with big hooks. Fine, okay. So that that should oh, that feels like that's all commercial off the shelf stuff. A lot of pilots now, particularly if you're using like them the big uh, big helicopters, so Chinooks are the same. Pilots are now trained to be able to undersling, undersling loads, um, to be able to drop them on and off. So having a something slung underneath the helicopter is not new. Um, so again, they're reusing um, ideas and skills and training that should already be there. What I've never seen is, and it might just be just because I haven't seen it, is a, uh, a helicopter flying un unsighted effectively over a parachute something that's descending so this you know this parachute is going to be dropping at 36 kilometers an hour because that's still fast so the pilot is going to have to go over the top of this or intersect it in a way that they can snare it whilst it's still dropping making sure he doesn't get too close to it because if he if um if they get too close to the parachute, you know, and they intersect with it. You know, worst case with the rotor blades, then that's game over. That's 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 not yeah, a happy. That's bad news. Um, and how many how many chances do you get at it? Because you know, if you if you miss once, then you've then got to get lower altitude quickly, recite it back onto it, and then fly over it again. So the presumably, you know, it's not just going to be the pilot themselves. They would have like uh, a loadmaster, load crew um citing it for them um but that's still gonna that's so that so then now we're into communication issues how do they make that work um so yeah that it, it could be quite quite uh an interesting thing to see and i if it was me 
I'd then be also having another helicopter alongside it, just taking photographs and video. Oh yeah. Um, which presumably they're going to do. Um, but so take that, take that first task. How do we think the, the pilot and their, and the crew, um, can get their situational awareness to to a sufficient point to be able to do this in a one um in in a, in a one grab um what's all, i'm because i'm thinking that you know the i'd want to have a camera underneath uh to be able to see some of this sort of stuff some sort of i mean I, ideally I'd, as a pilot you'd want some sort of uh, display that on your ra- on your fl- um, flight radar that you'd have some sort of interaction with with the booster um, so you at least because you you need to understand your um, the the your position um, horizontally towards um, where where it is. Not to mention, you know, you obviously got vertically as well. But it's um, yeah, I think it's it, it's exciting. It is right. So like, yeah, you're right. There are, there's a lot of different tasks going on, and I imagine some of this is proprietary, so we don't know exactly what's going on, but. There's likely some sort of uh, way to monitor your distance to the target, your distance to the parachute, really, in that case, uh, how how far out the grappling hook is. You also want to manage that with the distance away so that the rotary blades do not interfere with either the parachute and, you know, set it off course or, you know, you want it far enough away so that the grappling hook is stable and not swaying in the wind. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on, and I'd imagine that the training for this looked very similar to, okay, let's pick something up off the ground where you know you're you're kind of stationary, you're picking something up off the ground, right? That's that exists today. That's probably the training for that. And then, you know, now let's try it with a moving object. Let's send something down in a parachute and see if we can hover over it and catch it. You know, and we've also done the rocket thing too. We've done that, so let's you know now let's just try to do it all together. Um, so when you do bring up, yeah, go ahead. The, the beauty about doing this in the helicopter, I guess, is, you know, because you can hover, um, if you know the trajectory that it's coming down, because hopefully it's coming pretty much straight down, you could be hovering over to the side of it. Because when you come and land a, when you come and land a helicopter or um, um, a tilt rotor um, fast jet aircraft, so such as like the F-35 or whatever, you tend to come and fly alongside whatever it is that you're landing on. Um, particularly if you know if you're going to land on a, on a ship or something, you would hover, you go to the left, you go to the side of it. So you definitely go to the 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 um, with the side of the pilot who's in control, and then effectively slip over to to the deck and land it. Now there's nothing to stop you using that technique as well um, at height. Mm-hmm. So if you're hovering over, it, you you're sat in the um, in the right hand seat, um, and the 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 thing falls down past your window as you see the parachute go past you, you know, <laughs> slip over. And yeah, and, and almost because I sort of made the assumption that you'd fly straight at this thing, but maybe you don't. Maybe you do it on a, on a sideways perspective. That would be massively dependent on weather. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, so back we, we've now, that's taken us full circle back to um, the skill involved in um, yes. what's, what sounds like a really simple maneuver comparatively is actually we've again compare and contrast between this and the and the SpaceX solution. The SpaceX solution is very technologically complicated, uh, but from a human perspective, I guess fairly simple because it's all automated and it either works or it doesn't. This solution is sort of technologically simpler um, because less automation, um, things like that, but much more reliant on human skill. 
Oh, wait till uh, they get drones to do this. This mm. would be just a different way to do it. You just get a drone helicopter, throw it out there. But yes, I think, uh, thank you, Barry, for doing that transition because I think it is a good time for us to revisit some of these uh, human factors of helicopter uh, flight, right? Like mm. there's there's a lot of different things, different ways in which we could approach this. I think, you know, we can kind of go over some of these major human factors concepts in aviation, uh, which are pretty standard things like instrument design, crew training. You already mentioned a couple of these crew interaction, safety oversight. You also have things like psychological factors, uh, fatigue and distraction. Then you also have um, a couple different ways in which, uh, I don't know, offshore transportation um, presents its own issues. You want to talk through some of those? Yeah. So offshore transportation, it, getting people out to, um, places, things like um, um, oil rigs and things like that, you use helipo- helicopter transportation because um, because of the nature of what they do, they, they go where other aircraft can't, um, which is kind of what we were talking about earlier. But by the very nature of the, they, they can go where other aircraft can't, the safety issues are therefore amplified because of the environment that they're flying in. So flying to and from offshore platforms is, is a serious area of concern. Um, the climatic conditions of some of those world uh, world's major energy production systems require nighttime flights, such as over Norway. We have them over here in the UK. You have them in the US, Canada. I mean, that means routine routine flights in degraded visual environments um, is is a is a normal thing to happen. And as the existing energy reserves dwindle, um, exploration is taken place even further and further offshore and into even more hazardous environments, which means more time flying over more remote stretches of sea uh, with variable weather. Um, weather, certainly around the UK, is is terrible. Um, so therefore, understanding and preventing accidents in, in offshore helicopter transportation will become more important over time. But using them skills, to link it back to the article, it's them sort of skills that we're going to be using um, to, to ca- randomly catch rockets falling out the sky. Yeah. I mean, especially when it comes to things like the weather, right? You, you brought up weather. Weather conditions are why they've been pushing this uh, aside uh, for the last couple of weeks because they didn't want to test it in an environment where they didn't have as much control over the variables as possible. And then you also have, um, you know, the, the whole flying in uh, degraded visual environments. And so that is, of course, nighttime flights. Uh, and if you can't see a rocket coming at you from above, is it going to hit you? It just, it's dangerous. <laughs> and so there's, um, there's that to consider too. You, you know, some rocket uh, launches happen early morning when it is dark. And so that's also something to consider if you're trying to launch something, is it going to be daytime by the time the rocket comes back down? It's only a couple minutes. So you're also working within the windows of being able to send a rocket up. So you have to consider nighttime launches in a lot of cases. Uh, we are bringing this up in terms of like the, the offshore oil rigs. I think it's, it's um, a fun look at how this is all working. And we brought this up obviously, because you're over the water as you're catching this yep. airplane or not airplane, the, the rocket. Uh, sorry, wrong story. Uh, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Look, here's the thing, though. Uh, there's a there's a oil and gas UK report um, that said basically this offshore transportation accidents between 1991 and 2000. I know we're looking at like 20 years ago, but it came down to two things where you're having this introduction of new technology, i.e. better helicopters and introduction of several significant safety initiatives. Um, so, again, trying to think about some of these uh, safety initiatives that happened 
early uh what early 90s to 2000 thinking about all those things in place which were meant to serve the human and to reduce the number of errors um all these accidents sort of uh reduced over time and and so we can think about this from the technology perspective as we think about the solution to catching a rocket you're not adding really anything new you, you, the technology is exactly the same the the processes and procedures by which are mostly applicable from other areas you're now just using them on a falling rocket and so all this stuff together you're looking at um nothing new which i think is is not the nothing new um comment is not a bad thing it's a good thing in this context because now we don't have to uh relearn new skills or work with new technology or follow new safety protocols i'm imagining a lot of that stuff is already in place um you know, a more recent study, uh, 2001 to 2010, um, human factors uh, were the leading single cause of uh, uh, saving from off offshore uh, accidents. So, you know, uh, when you set aside, um, I guess, uh, or I guess human factors issues were the, were the most cited cause, right? So when you set aside things like climate or, or weather um, or technology, anything like that. If, if those didn't go wrong, human factors issues were prevalent and therefore uh, were more likely. And so it's, it's really important to put some emphasis on that as an area when you are dealing with catching a rocket booster out of midair. Okay, let's talk about Shell. Uh, who is Shell and what does she do? Barry. <laughs> so US journalist Harry Reasoner was renowned for his, his way with words. So it Two paragraphs he wrote on helicopters in 73. I've hovered around, excuse the pun, uh, for many years on the internet. Um, so uh, he said, the thing is, helicopters are different from aeroplanes. And this is what Worth was talking about and highlighting. An aeroplane, by, by its very nature, wants to fly. And if not interfered with too strongly by unusual events or an incompetent pilot, it will fly. A helicopter does not want to fly. It's maintained in the air by a variety of forces and controls working in opposition to each other. And if there's any disturbance in the delicate balance, the helicopter stops flying immediately and disastrously. There is no such thing as a gliding helicopter. That's why helicopter pilot is so different, such a different being from an airplane pilot. And why in general, airplane pilots are often uh, uh, open, clear-eyed, buoyant extroverts. And helicopter pilots are brooders, introspective, anticipators of trouble. They know if anything bad has not happened, it's about to. So let's leave aside the idea with the gliding bit of whether auto-rotation is a glide or a controlled fall. Um, but I th yeah. he's clearly onto something. Um, they, these words get quoted time and time and time again. And actually, I've, I've quoted them in, in reports myself. Um, the the whole different nature behind the two different type of pilot, um, I think, is, is really interesting. Anyway, the, the whole point about Shell with this is uh, the ICAO uses the Shell acronym. Um, so S-H-E-L is Software, Hardware, um, Environment, and Liveware, and as a model to represent various components of the human factors um, makeup of, of this. This can be expanded to shell, as in S-C-H-E-L-L, -L. so software, culture, hardware, environment, liveware, and that's individual human liveware and liveware as, as a teaming element between humans. So I think it's probably worth us having a quick canter through the shell model 
because there are some really interesting things here as uh, for um, with respect to helicopters. So do you want to kick us off a bit with the software side of things? Oh, I got to start with this? Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, software I, software is um, pretty self-explanatory. It is the way in which uh, basically you are working with uh, a machine that supports flying operations, uh, whether that's rules, procedures, checklists, written documents, all that stuff. Um, basically, when you are looking at the software, um, some of this stuff is regulated and some of it is not. And so there's things to consider there. Uh, and there can be often a lot of human factors issues when it comes to software. So we got to make sure we get it right. Uh, it, when um, you look at helicopter operations, some are regulated by ZACASA, uh, and, and helicopter companies are required to have operating manuals, et cetera. So there's like, you know, some requirements in place. You have to have a manual or else, you know, who else is going to know how to fly it. And in terms of, fundamental differences between helicopter and fixed wing software issues there really shouldn't be any fundamental differences uh, other than um the fact that you're operating a different vehicle and and that really comes down to the fact that uh we're, we're kind of taking this safety and um i guess you know air safety seriously that's i guess what the difference is here uh is that there is no difference we're taking air air safety seriously let's talk about culture barry yeah so the culture that all involves like norms the customs the practices conventions and habits and it, that's all the stuff that uh, that occurs outside of state your standard operating procedures and regulations the, the sops and regulations give you a set of behaviors um and, and ways of working but the the culture is everything else around that um you've been somewhere where they've turned around and said you know it's, it's the way we get things done it's what it's what we do on a day-to-day -day basis it's way it's what it's how we act um it's sort of what occurs to get the job done under, under pressure and what people fall back on it might be sp uh, specific to the actual flying task but it's also what you're experiencing in the crew room in when you're planning when you're um hanging out together so if you've got a poor culture in that, that's seen in the crew room or socially, that could be an indicator of actually a poor, uh, poor flying culture. Poor culture will also develop with substantial leadership, uh, sorry, substandard leadership and supervision, and, and can lead to deviation from, from software, including violations. Um, even though I said right at the beginning, this should be beyond um, the standard operating procedures and regulations. If you have a poor culture, it will lead you into causing violations and actually going against standard operating procedures. The helicopter industry has seen poor culture in the past, and the issues may also be structural. Pilots are often away from supervision for long periods uh, because of the way that they've been working with people from different cultures. And similar cultural interactions may be found in fixed wing, uh, where they've been looking at firebombing operations or remote fixed wing charter operations. So the young mustering uh, helicopter pilot may may have to be more aware of the influence of culture than their peer in a fixed wing charter pilot. It's a difficult thing to to deal with because culture is something that is around you all of the time. It's mm -hmm. something that, that is part of the your the company culture. It's it's something that is not only top down, but it's it's in between everybody. It is continuous. So it, it makes it hard to notice, but you really notice it when it, it's either gone wrong um, if you're or you're coming into a new organization. So that's why, from a human factors perspective, we highlight um, culture and try and work on culture because because of its um, pervasive nature. 
Do you want to talk us through some hardware elements? Yeah, so hardware is kind of the counterpart to the software. Uh, it's The hardware is the physical stuff. Uh, so the helicopter itself, the controls, the interfaces, the cockpit layout, all that stuff. Human Factors 101, uh, a lot of it. So, you know, the the hello the hardware itself might be very simple in like a, you know, fly-by-wires type of situation, uh, direct mechanical controls, or it could be, you know, a larger helicopter, like in this case, where you're, you have sort of a hydraulic boosted uh, controls uh, mechanism, um, or, you know, some stability system through an uh, autopilot assistive technology, that type of thing. Um, if you're looking at a large helicopter, some of those control flight control systems can actually be more complex uh, than your typical airliner. Um, you might have a bunch of different uh, displays and controls to work with. You know, the displays themselves could be simple, conventional round dials like you might find, or it could be these large flat panel displays. They really vary. Um, and they all come with their own sort of pros and cons here as, you know, human factors practitioners and uh, it's kind of our call to make on which one is going to be most effective in that situation. In terms of external load, um, helicopters, the critical engine instruments uh, may be replicated below the side window to allow the pilot to monitor the load without actually having to look away, check for engine performance. So that's one of the considerations I bet is taken you know, for this type of uh, <laughs> rocket booster recovery mission, right? Where you have um, this, uh, the, some of the instrumentation might be replicated as they're looking down over the load. Um, so that's something to consider. You also have night vision. Of course, we talked about that stuff. And um, yes, that's about all I want to say about that. Let's talk about environment because we talked a little bit about this, but where does human factors come in? Yeah, so with the environment, we we've got to really consider that the environment that we're operating in. So that's it, you know, from the basics of temperature, humidity, noise, and vibration. Noise and vibration within aircraft is um, within is really important thing to be able to understand what is vibrating because you're in a platform that is vibrating, or what is a, a, vib a vibration that you're unaware of. Um, but then you've got things outside the cockpit. So the weather, the sun, moon, terrain, landing area, you know, all that sort of stuff about. Where are you going to be? Because you've got to be really aware of your um, your environment in a helicopter because the because you've effectively got that ability of three hundred and sixty maneuver and a three D maneuver. Whereas in a fast jet or in any sort of um, aircraft, you tend to move forward, um, up, down, left, right, but you tend to always move in one direction. Um, helicopters tend to operate at lower altitudes. Uh, not all cockpits are air conditioned, so heat, yeah, you know, simple thing, but it might, makes a really uncomfortable uh, flying environment. Um, helicopters can operate with the doors off uh, for better visibility and that wind chill can become a factor um, as well as just general safety as well. So they're, they're often noisy, um, ex experience way more vibration as I've already mentioned than fixed-wing aircraft. And the advantage, advantage of a helicopter, as we mentioned earlier, is the ability to hover and land vertically. It means that whilst that, that's a huge advantage, it means that they do operate very close to terrain. And the, um, the 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 landing sites may be unsurveyed, and so you don't. Sometimes you don't know what you're landing into, and that, therefore you have to have quite a um, a sensitive control through the hardware to to be able to get there. Um, and that's even before you get into the idea of where you're landing. You might have unexpected things like when um, the military have been landing in desert, you get this the 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 
the the sand whips up so you get a brown out or if you're landing in in Arctic or Antarctic whiteouts with with snow so yes there's uh, there's a lot around the environment that can um, cause you issues with uh within helicopters what about liveware do you want to talk yeah. about people people that's really not important for human factors let's just get at it no, i'm just kidding so look there's there's a couple the the way in which this model sp- separates it there's uh liveware with the individual human and then there's liveware between humans so let's kind of talk about them right the the individual human um there's obviously some things that are internally driven that we need to look at like fatigue um stressors those types of things uh which a good tie back is how the f-35 tried to kill its pilot go check that episode out that was a really great one to do um but you know i think there's a lot of different uh other things that are going on with the individual too you could have like aeromedical disorientation illusions um one that's specific to helicopters is flicker vertigo so the the light that's coming through the rotor blades uh creates kind of a strobe effect um and it can cause disorientation vertigo nausea all that stuff. Um, and in extreme cases, it can induce seizures, which is no good. Uh, and so there's, you know, hardware that introduces other sets of limitations like increased fatigue um, or unique optical illusions in degraded environments. Now, when you think about between them, between humans, uh, that is like crew resource management. That is that is kind of the uh, it's almost like a subset of culture in a, in a lot of ways where you are looking at humans external to the aircraft. Um, but, uh, you know, so like air traffic control or support staff. So probably the people who are in the other helicopter taking pictures saying, Hey, you know, you're, you're a little bit off, uh, you know, correct by going forward or by rotating left 45 degrees or whatever could, you know, (laughs) feedback they're giving. Um, and, and so it's different in a helicopter versus a fixed wing aircraft because, um, you know, you're, you're thinking about, uh, when you come back, you're not, you're thinking about different clearances for landing. Um, you know, not just a straight path, but something tighter. Uh, and then, uh, obviously in a low level helicopter environment, there might be a unique set of live wear interaction required between individuals to complete the task safely. Um, this would manifest itself in, uh, the article in, uh, actually putting this thing back on the ground. I think that's where you'd have a lot of communication with ground crews. Um, and so I don't, I don't know that it's a, it's kind of a cool model to go over shell. It's kind of cool to talk about a helicopter. And we brought in a lot of examples about, um, you know, what a helicopter human factors are and what a helicopter human factors are. Um, but <laughs> what I'm trying to say here is that I, th- I think we covered our bases um, and I, I want to pass it back to you, Barry, any other key takeaways that you want to discuss in relation to shell um, catching rocket boosters with helicopters, uh, anything else? So me, for me, it, this is going to, it, it um, hits three different things, which I think are really exciting. Um, firstly is around the whole situational awareness piece. So how do you know where, you know, as a pilot and, and as a crew, how do you know where you're at? Where, where's the rocket at? You, you, you've you got that, dan- that dynamic movement between the two. It's, it, it, they're not fixed. So you're going to have to be able to coordinate the two and, and basically bring in some human skill to make that happen. The, the, the risk appetite of the organization willing to do it 
Um, so that, that that's a behavior and cultural element there. Um, to be able to look at this and do, you know, take something that is being successfully done by one company um, and try and come up with a cheaper version of it that's basically going to undercut um, that and, and progress technology further. Um, but then that just takes it all down to experimentation. I think this is going to be, we've seen what SpaceX did and how much money they literally burned trying to get this to work. Is this going to be something that will will get quicker um, um, access to market? And are we just going to now see a whole new skill set for helicopter pilots who maybe you've come out the military or something like that to be able to then go and um, fly around with big hanging hooks under their uh, helicopters to be able to go and catch moving targets? I think it's going. To, I, I I can't wait to see this the result of this and whether it whether it actually works. Yeah, I'm looking at the little diagram they have. Just if you if you get a chance, go check out. They have a little little press kit that you can check out uh, that has a diagram of how this is supposed to work, um, and it's a uh, it's really a delightful little. Uh, little diagram anyway thank you uh that's that's our news story this week thank you to our patrons for selecting it uh and thank you to our friends over at ieee spectrum for our news story this week if you want to follow along we do post links to the original articles on our weekly roundups on our blog you can always join us on our discord for more discussion on these stories we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back to see what's going on in the human factors community right after this Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. Yes, huge thank you, as always, to our uh, patrons. We especially want to thank our honorary Human Factors cast staff patron, Michelle Tripp. Patient, pa- patro- pa- patients, no, patrons like you keep the show going. You literally keep us running, uh, lights on in the lab, all that stuff. And thank you so much for your support. I do want to talk about Human Factors Minute. Now, this is a little something that we do over here for our patrons. Uh, if you're unaware, Human Factors Minute is a little slice of Human Factors that we package up and we highly produce and we do our research and we send it off in your merry way so you can enjoy it in one minute or sometimes more than that <laughs> but <laughs> oftentimes more than that but we, we package it up so you can enjoy human factors content on the go so to speak um so we have uh some some fun uh stats that we like to revisit from time to time regarding human factors minute barry uh, would you like to take a guess at how many Human Factors Minutes we have? Oh, if I was to pluck a number out the air, maybe, I don't know, around 120 maybe? Oh, you're looking at the same notes I have. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have 120 episodes so far. Uh, total runtime uh, across all those episodes, which you would think would be two hours. We're actually at two and almost two and a half hours uh two hours 27 minutes and 40 seconds uh average length of one hour and 14 seconds um 
Our longest episode was our, our episode on the surface transportation technical group for HFES. And then also for HFE tag, there's a system safety, health hazards and survivability. Those both clocked in at one minute and 59 seconds. Uh, so look, here's the thing. If it doesn't have one minute in it, then it's it's a separate piece of content. But we managed to get those in with one as the leading number. So that's kind of the cutoff for us is 159. So you might see a couple of those. Anyway, shortest episode was on uh, the aging technical group, and that was 40 seconds long. So you can kind of get a sense of the distribution, get a, get a sense of the topics there. Um, it's something that we're actually really proud of. And if you want to see our lab working on stuff, uh, we have a lot of our lab members actually doing the research on Human Factors Minute to keep the lights on. Um, and that's one way in which they contribute. So, yeah, they, they do other things, too. But that is kind of uh, um, an everybody uh, task to make sure that the Lowe's lights are yes. kept on because it's quite important. Uh, anyway, let's go ahead and get into this next part of the show. We like to call it came from. It came from. Yes, it came from. This is where we search all over the internet to bring you topics the community is talking about. We ask that uh, if you find these answers helpful, no matter where you're at, just give us a like, help other people find this content. We have three today. The first one we're going to tackle here is what is the reality and day-to-day -day like for a UX designer or researcher? This is by 10 Pumps Classic, 10 Pumps Classic on the user experience research subreddit, UX research subreddit, sorry. Uh, they, they go on to write, what is the reality and day-to-day -day like for a UX designer or researcher? Um, I recently applied for and in, in the midst of interviewing for a certificate at my local community college to study in UX centered around UX design, uh, although I believe there will be parts of user research built in. I'm looking for a snippet, a snapshot of your day-to-day -day as a UX designer or researcher. What are you using? What tools do you need? Currently work in, okay, that's, uh, anyway, so <laughs> we'd love to generally hear about your experience as this is a potential path I would like to pursue given the opportunity I have right in front of me. Thanks in advance for your insights. Barry, what is, uh, your, your role is not research, it's not, it's not UX researcher, but what is your typical day-to-day -day like? Um, and how might that differ from like a designer? So do we have that it depends button? Um, yeah. Yeah, oh, no, I think, I think we, we hit that one here because, I don't think I have a typical day-to-day. -day. Um, literally, you know, from everything that we, we get involved with, it could be um, running workshops with clients about what they're trying to get out of, running workshops with um, users to try and get, you know, um, try and uh, progress designs, running um, agile um, design workshops, um, or just getting down with nitty-gritty and work, you know, working through design development. Um, in terms of tools that we use, it's whatever's most appropriate for the time. The amount, one day we could be using something like Figma in terms of um, developing some um, really in-depth um, things like that, or we back on pen and paper. Um, or um, I've recently become um, quite quite partial to A5 Post-its, um, A5 size, size Post-its. Right? So I, I do a lot of work on Post-its. That's probably the biggest thing I burn through. Um, but I've found A5 large color post-its and they are amazing on because they, they can stick to most walls and stuff. So that your sponsor? Well, not yet, but maybe <laughs> there should be. Um, but, but to be able to use them sort of things, they, they, they end up being quite flexible and you can sort of sketch things out quite nicely on them and and make that work. So generally, I mean, 
this is quite a hard question for me to answer because I don't have a I don't have a typical day, and that's part of the fun for it, for me. Um, it just keeps us it keeps you entertained, and if you start having too many days the same, I, I get bored. So yeah. what about you? What's what's your um, what's your experience in in this? So let me be clear. My title is senior user experience researcher. That is my title. So I feel like I am uh, capable of answering this. You're qualified. <laughs> I am qualified. <laughs> Look, here's the thing: is uh, what Barry said is correct. <laughs> There is no typical day. However, I'll give you a formula by which you can operate on. Um, there's a couple things that can be happening at any given time, uh, depending on where you're at in the design development uh, research process, right? So, you know, depending on what project you're on, you might be in the user research phases. You might be translating that research into designs. You might be working with uh, PMs and developers to ensure that those designs get coded into software correctly. You might be uh, working to um, test that stuff that has been in design for a while. Uh, and then you also might be at the other end where you're planning research. You're, there's there's some context that's coming up that you want to understand what you need to do next. And so my formula is this. Um, pick any one of those and that's kind of what your typical day looks like, uh, depending on that process. Um, now, it really gets interesting when you start mixing and matching. So I'm not just on one product uh, sort of track or anything like that. I'm spread across several. Um, and so there's many different levels of research going on at the same time. And so my day looks like a little bit of this phase where I'm looking at the research that needs to be done and a little bit of this phase where I'm talking to designers about solutions on another thing and a little bit of this phase where I'm organizing times to talk with people. And it's it's, uh, you know, you know, you kind of stack those up. And because of that mix match of where we're at in the process and other things that need to happen behind the scenes, like setting up research infrastructure, which happens from time to time where you need to create, I don't know. Excel spreadsheets uh, that contain data and all that stuff. Uh, there, it really depends on where you're at in the process. Um, and you you mix match those things, you'd be good good enough answer. Uh, tools, I don't know. It doesn't matter. You find something that works for you. <laughs> <laughs> really, it doesn't matter. Um, as long as it works for it, the pen and paper is probably best. Uh, you know, you could do. Uh, I use Google Suite because that's what my company uses. Like, I, it, it really just depends. Um, all right, next question. I want to change my career path from traffic engineer to UX researcher. What should be my plan of action? This is by uh, Alberta, Al Alberta Key. Al Al hmm. I feel like I'm not saying that right. Uh, on the U UX research subreddit. Hello, everyone. I'm a mid-level traffic engineer with a master's and PhD degree in transportation and highway engineering. I'd like to know what skills I need to develop to break into UX research um, and then they go into a brief uh, snapshot of current skills. Some of it's relevant, some of it's not. Barry, let's talk, though. How do you break into human factors from another, um, let's say, tangentially related uh, domain? Yeah, I mean, what I find is that quite a lot of people break into human factors from, from the engineering side of things. I know um, I did it myself. Um, quite a few other people have done it. In many ways, it's... I don't know if there's um I mean you, what's suggested is you know do you go do you go and get get another masters in HCI design or something like that that's definitely an approach um if you've got the time effort and money to be able to go and go and do that then that's great um the way I would do it cuz you you basically 
because you've already got your master's PhD, you already know how to learn. That's all cool. Um, but actually, why not? You know, really, what you want to be doing now is going to get yourself immersed in the environment. Um, so either go and um, um, we find maybe either a different role or either a paid role or a volunteer role um, to go and do that. We, you know, the, I think some people have got a, um, um, a, a human factors lab somewhere that might be um, an obvious place to go and look. But, um, but you know, go, so go, go and get some experience of it go, or go and do some voluntary stuff and see whether you do like it. Fundamentally, actually, the, the best thing you can do if you can get it is to get some, is to um, be employed to do it. Um, and so obviously if somebody's willing to give you a job either within the company you're in and you sort of say, look, I mean, you know, if you're doing this traffic engineering, um, if you've got, so if you, if you talk to the senior management and said, look, I'm interested in doing this. Can I do a project that is, that uses the skills that I've got, but then also uses them and applies them in, in a, um, human factor stroke UX environment, then you'll do a, do a transition. That's effectively what I did. I was in, I was employed to be a software engineer and in, in a cockpit team. And then I was like, oh, I like this designing of cockpit stuff. That's really exciting. And ended up not doing any software with them at all. I basically got into this and then it sort of ballooned from there. So, yeah, there's, there are a number of different routes, education. But I think with where you're at and saying, you know, you've kind of done the education formal bit. I don't think doing another master is going to help you. I think you need to go and do uh, some actual, go and do some actual work. To, and so try and find an opportunity. Yeah. I, I skipped over the skills here. I'm going to bring in a couple because I think understanding what skills you have that are transferable and understanding how what you have done already um, kind of emulates the type of work that you will do as a human factors practitioner or UX researcher is really important. Um, so to recap some of their skills, uh, a comprehensive knowledge on research processes, including uh, lit review, experiment design, questionnaire and survey development, data analysis and interpretation, communicating research findings to technical and non-technical audiences, extensive research experience in traffic safety and driver behavior analysis, published several journal articles, conference papers, technical reports, and one book chapter. I think that's a ton of Boom. applicable skills like all you have to do is change your job title from where you're at right now and say i've done a lot of the stuff that ux research does and that sounds very reductive you'll learn a lot on the job um but if you already know a lot of these skills if you go in just like i don't know look up what ux research does and understand the process and how you uh sort of integrate with I don't know, a software team, if you're trying to get there, I don't think it's so far out of left field that you wouldn't have uh, a, a hard time finding it. Anyway, that's that's just my two cents. Look at the transferable skills. Yeah. See if, see if the the only thing I would, I would add to that is read a book on Agile, because actually with them skills, yeah. if you combine that with Agile, then you'll be well ahead. You're good to go. All right, last one here is by Short Shorts. Okay, uh, on the user experience subreddit, are user personas for journey mapping usually arbitrary or based in data? Sometimes when looking at other people's personas for products and applications that have a very broad audience, I fail to see how having two user personas is useful when it doesn't capture all the users. It feels like fluff rather than useful data. Can anyone provide clarification for how and why it's useful? Barry, let's just talk about personas. How do you use them? Uh, do you use them? Is it useful? What's up? Yes, I, I love using personas. I think they're such a valuable and powerful tool if you, if you get them and use them in the right way. So the way I use them is for where you've got loads of data and um, 
we talk about target audiences and things like that, where being 59th, 5th percentiles and all the, all this sort of jazz. But actually, if you can, when you're actually delivering and talking about a solution to uh, particularly stakeholders or um, the so other users about why you've done done something, if you're just talking about about the well, I've got a user, and they could they could be anything from this height to this height, this sort of reach, and this. Have, we we so we abstract out the um, we we don't feel like we're talking about actual people. If you can actually get the averages of all of them, so this is where it's actually some of it's based on useful data. It should be based on on your target audience um, description. Uh, you know what what your ranges of metrics are, um, but also you get some characteristics. So how old are they? What what sort of stage are they at in their careers and things like that? And that fluff, as they describe it, is all about making them feel like and look like a person. So you're not talking about a random user anymore. You're talking about Bob, or you're talking about Mary, or you're talking about Phil, or you're talking about Jackie. Um, you give them names, you give them personalities, so they actually feel like you're designing um, and developing and testing something for somebody, not just a thing. So, yes, I can see why they can be, why they might feel and seem like um, not very useful, um, but actually, I think they're one of the most powerful things we have in our toolbox. That is so interesting to me because uh, we, we rarely disagree, Barry. And I, I think that the fluff part of it is the least interesting part to me. I tend to create personas based around, yes, data, but I I very much um, put them into their own roles. So they're like role-based personas, right? So we still attach things like Jim from accounting uh, who makes this much a year, all that stuff. It, what If it helps somebody, fine. Um it doesn't help me. The things that help me are things like what challenges are this person experiencing and why is the thing that we're designing uh, going to be a solution for those challenges? What are their goals? What are their key tasks? Those types of things are tremendously valuable for me. And if we can get those from an average of data, and that's now you're looking at like a qualitative analysis of uh, a bunch of different you know text fields. Really, that's your job to kind of pare that down and say, okay, yes, this is what we have. This, these are the themes in which they are uh, experiencing these uh, problems through. And anyway, that's it. Um, I, I, I think uh, people find value in different things, and for me, it's it's more of the like procedural. How do we how do we capture that? Cool. All right, uh, that's one more thing. That's just where we talk about one more thing. Uh, Barry, what's your one more thing this week? I went to conference this week. You did. Amazing. It was so nice to be able to get in a room with people and and just discuss, just have a chat and a catch up and a, you know because it's all very well you know the all the stuff we did we you know we did the virtual conference a few uh, couple weeks earlier which was nice it was good it, you got all the information but this was all around you know for me it's like I, I don't want to be geek about it, the non-technical skills it was the being able to have a bit of a laugh and catch up and know what you do with yourself now and the the um, you know, looking at other people across the room and say, "Oh, I haven't seen that person in ages." Oh, I, I, and there was a couple of people I went up to um, who I was like, "Oh, hey, how are you doing?" And and, and they were like, "Do you realise we've never actually met?" You know, we've you know the past two two three <laughs> years I've known them. We've talked online and Zoom and stuff, but we never actually met face to face. And there was a couple of them there that I was like, I didn't even realise. And I was like, "Oh yeah, um, that's." It. I don't know whether I should be embarrassed about that, but um it was you know the time i was just like oh yeah uh, well okay well that's fine um it was just a weird from that it, it was weird bizarre but brilliant did did you did you get anyone coming up to you saying oh my god you're you're barry kirby from that 1202 human factors podcast 
I did. Oh, it, it was amazing. I, I, in fact, I had more than one person coming up saying, I listen to your podcast and I really like it. Um, so I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just sold. And if I had had my stickers, they would have got a sticker, but <laughs> I didn't have a sticker because they were in a stupid case back in my stupid house. I, I was gonna say, Were they in the case? <laughs> <laughs> they were in the case as well. Uh, everything was in the case. Uh, but no, that, and in fact, a couple of them who, um, Express delight in listening to my podcast where uh, I'm going to be interviewing them tomorrow so that get, get their opinion. So it's very exciting. That's so awesome. oh, it was, anyway, enough about me um, um, talking, actually talking to real people. Nick, what about you? Uh, so listeners, longtime listeners of the show know that I have a 3D printer. Uh, we recently moved within the last year, uh, about a year ago, actually. And since then, it's kind of been in uh, not storage. It's been out, but not put together. I recently put it back together because we're starting a new project. Uh, it's it's a helmet for my son. Um, we, he's uh, we're, we're going to a, a Star Wars conference, uh, Star Wars convention. Sorry, uh, <laughs> next month, and we're we're putting a, a costume together for him. So I 3D printed a helmet. It fits on him, and now I'm in the stages of you know all the sanding and and finishing, and it's a ton of fun. Um, yeah, I don't know if you, if you want to see more of that, come come me on discord uh but that's gonna be it for today everyone if you like this episode and enjoy uh some of the conversation about helicopters doing unique things i'll encourage you to go listen to episode 203 we talk about uh the challenges of flying a helicopter on mars and always comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week uh for more in-depth discussion you can join us on our discord community reach out to us we're always hanging out there um Visit our official website, sign up for our newsletter, stay up to date with all the latest Human Factors news. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, there's a couple things you can do. One, you can always leave us a five-star review. It's free for you to do and really easy, quick. You know, Feel free to. Uh, and then two, you can always tell your friends about us. Uh, that way they come up to Barry at, at conferences and say, hey, you're the guy on that podcast. Uh, uh, three, if you have the means and want to support us financially, you can always support us on Patreon. All those go back directly into the show into the lab uh, and help our lab members create some beautiful things and as always uh, links to all of our socials and our website are in the description of this episode i want to thank mr barry kirby for being on the show today where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk to you about being caught by a helicopter <laughs> you want to get be caught by a helicopter find me on twitter at baz underscore k linkedin at mr bp kirby or come and listen to 1202 the human factors podcast where we have interviews with interesting people at 1202podcast.com as for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me on our Discord and across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning in to Human Factors Cast. Until next time, it, it depends. depends. All right. Uh, music or something. Hang on. Uh, pff, where's the... I don't know. Hold on. What I... Uh, there we go. Posho. Posho. Yeah, Posho. Yay. Okay, there's some... Some news stories I just struggle so hard with because of the simplicity, and this was one of them. Oh, see, helicopters are amazing. I guess what I the, the one small, subtle point I didn't really say and I probably should have done is one of my first jobs in, in HF was designing helicopter cockpits. Uh, yeah, that's... That was, it's, only, it's only mildly useful to the story. Probably. Um, but... Um, no, I, th I think it's... But actually, to be fair, we, it was one of them. I think we said right, right from the off, didn't we, that it was... They got to catch it with a helicopter with a big hook underneath. How, how hard can that be? But it's not until we started um, breaking it down that we were like, actually, how are you gonna how are you gonna know where it is? Where are you gonna be? What are you gonna do? How are you how are you gonna communicate between the crew around how it's all gonna happen? How are you gonna how is the pilot gonna know where they need to be in relative space to this thing? And actually, it, 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 it then got very exciting for me. 
You know what's very funny is that conversation that you just had, that we had, right? The the whole, ah, this seems really easy, but oh, wait, right? That is the same conversation I have in my head when I'm selecting these news stories for people to pick. <laughs> I, I go, oh, that seems simple. Oh, wait. No, that could be good. All right, throw it in the pile. Um, and that's yeah. really my logic. You know, like I don't go as far as we did, you know, breaking everything down bit by bit. But I say, yeah, there's enough to that. Let's let's throw it in. Because um, what was I thought interesting about that, and what, actually why I enjoyed doing it as well, was we, we'd obviously done it. We put together a plan. We knew what we were doing and all that sort of stuff. And then we completely did it completely differently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was quite neat because I think the ability just, you know, because I just, you, um, for those of you listening, you won't be able to see it, but we have the show notes alongside and we have them live going. And I just wrote halfway through just solution here. It, um, yeah. Is it, that, and then we could link it into into the shell model, which was, um, which is again was really neat. So, um, I think for a, um, for the way we pulled that together, I, I thought that I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, a little bit of behind the scenes here for everyone. I think longtime listeners know what we do, but um, there's kind of the framing of the original article. And then we do some a couple supplementary human factors things on a on the base of the article. Right. In this case, it was flying a helicopter. Um, (laughs) There's not really any human factors for catching a rocket at this point. So we couldn't like, you know, pull that stuff in. I don't believe it was written a standard yet. No, 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 no. And so, uh, so, so from there, it was like, as we were talking, it just made more sense in the moment. Um, sorry, to finish that thought, first off, we, we talk about the story, then we talk about the context behind the story, then we talk about the story again, like a story sandwich, uh, and, and you know, bring it back at the very end. But everything that we were talking about tonight was just so intertwined that we're like, okay, look, we have to talk about the simple solution first Mm. and then break it back from there um, because it it really, everything comes back to that simple solution. And in fact, it it, it made it more complex to go the other way to say, look, here's the simple solution, but oh, look at all these things that are, that could go wrong with it. Um, Which just shows what what a great team we are in being able to dynamically restructure a program like that on the fly without either of us realizing what the other one was doing. That's a that's a paper. It is, yeah. No papers. (laughs) At some point, we we've got to write some of these. Got to write them down. (laughs) But I I I just feel that if we just have this thing um, as saying right, that's a paper, then effectively that's a paper already written. We didn't do any work. We simply got to do it. Therefore, it's done. Yeah. uh, uh, Speaking of which, follow up on my research gate. I have still not been approved. Really? Yeah. I thought I'd approved you. Did he actually send me an email? No, uh, I mean, I don't know. You may have. They may have sent you an email saying, hey, do you know this, this dude? Well, I thought that's what they normally do. Oh. Um, but it might still take time. I mean, like, like I said, I've been on it for quite a while now. So um, where can I put up a new window? Oh, that's doing it twice. That's weird. Oh, I see what it's doing. That's clever. That's annoying. Um, I shall have a look see. See if you give me anything. Um, because since we basically did the last one of these, I kind of haven't. There's so many things I'm meant to have done, and I just haven't got there. I've also gone back to my old laptop as well. You know, I bought a new, new fancy, um, right. higher graphic processing laptop, which is great. It is like sort of it's an i9, it's very fast, and all that sort of stuff. But it's just not as robust as the one I had. Whereas because I I have a USB C 
hub um, that then powers the laptop. So now just plug it in, it does power and everything, and it's brilliant. Um, the other one, it just kept on getting confused all the time about what exactly it was trying to do. And so I'm like, well, I'm keeping the other one for doing what I bought it for, to be honest, which is design and all that sort of stuff. We're going back to this one because it does all my podcasting, it does all my work stuff, mm-hmm. and it just gets on with it effortlessly. It doesn't doesn't get annoyed by it or anything like that. So it's been it's been a, it's been a time of change. Uh, um, yeah, I just logged in. They said uh, your request is pending. We've received your request and we'll let you know as soon as possible whether it has been repro- approved. Uh, so I, I guess they don't see me as a real researcher yet. Um, well, that sucks. That sucks. <laughs> I'm not validated in the eyes of ResearchGate, but that's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. Um, so you... I will just have a toothless mixture because it might something like that might have gone into my um, junk mail. Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, they may have gone. Hey, do you know this schlub? Uh, and <laughs> I certainly do not. Um. So you and I had talked about. Um, potentially doing a plan for um, what is the word I am looking for? Uh, 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 a conference coverage, EHF coverage. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's I, think, nice. I think we should yeah. do that. Let's see here. Uh, so, what is that? EHF 22. Was that the hashtag? E, uh, hashtag EHF 2022. Yeah. Didn't you say that was a hashtag confused with something else? It was. There was the European Handball Convention, I think it was. Right. Definitely not uh, handball. Um, I'll share this with you. This is like what we used for... um, This is what we have used uh, for um, past conference retrospectives. Um this is specifically the one that we used for uh, there's some notes from nec in there but then there's also some notes from uxpa in there it's just kind of a a hodgepodge i'm kind of embarrassed to share it with you but it's a (laughs) it's a starting point um and uh we are going to better ourselves as people as we uh, you know maneuver our way through this uh thing i don't know um hang on i i failed to send them to you uh i'm glad this is the post show i just say that <laughs> i'm very uh there you go yeah yeah that's it so so that is the show notes uh the, the, wow nec 21 that's so weird um Where have you sent it let's see here ehf i sent it on discord 2022 oh i see okay, uh, let's see here. Um, wow, a lot of these notes are like directly from NEC and not necessarily from UXPA, but that's okay. Um, I think really the the main things there are uh, uh, this episode recapping one of the uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, oh, it's on dropping into the wrong. I need to mess around with my Google accounts because it because I've got a couple, um, it just gets annoying, right? That's that, uh, okay. Got it. Here. So, 
Um, I, I think in this section here, this is what I had said for uh, NEC. Although what I, I want you to do is kind of like high level stuff. Uh, what, what were some of your key takeaways? Almost like you did for one more thing. You went to a conference in person. Um, you'll, uh, you, you talk about, um, like general impressions. You, you met yeah. people for the first time. Uh, it was a weird experience being there as, you know, the president elect, that kind of thing. Those are the points that I want you to put here. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, kind of invite you for general thoughts here. here. General thoughts, uh, on the conference before we dig in. Um, so yeah, you can kind of give the general thoughts. This be like uh, five minutes or so. Uh, Sweet, yeah. Um, and then I'll delete these because whatever we're talking, we're talking, we're talking. Uh, what is EHF? Is always a good question. What is EHF? Um, what has the venue been like in the past? I think is a still relevant question. What is the venue like this time? Um, like hybrid. Um, and then what uh well i guess you can't answer this uh <laughs> i mean you can you can say like what things did you attend what did you find interesting um yeah what i'm gonna try themes um uh key takeaways uh is is good no, oh wait where, where you deleted themes? i deleted themes that was my bad <laughs> I, no, that's cool. Didn't have any posters. Oh man, it's key takeaways. Uh, and then I don't know if um, like so. So this is good for like you and I talking. And I think this this alone could be twenty minutes. Um, and then if you want to, I don't know if, if you want to like take the voicemails and throw them in here or if you were planning to use those for yours or if you want to take like some of the interviews and throw them in here i really don't know i i mean i would love to do like the voicemail stuff because i think the the quick scrappy impressions are like more yeah, in think, line with this i um, think let's find let, let's see what we get yeah um, and then we can we can either put that put them in um I basically split them up between the two because I think the way they'll be done, one will some be more appropriate for mine because I'm only if I'm talking to everybody that I've got so far for ten, I mean five to ten minutes each. I've, I'm only expecting to do say a half hour episode, right? So I've already got way more. Way I'll already have way too much material. Yeah, send uh, me the scraps. Cool. Uh, like I, I guess my I'll give um, you my, <laughs> my uh my question for you, which I mean this is this is interesting because it's a public forum and so I'm asking you publicly. Uh, and it's okay if you want to answer privately, but like, where is the um, where is the crossover and overlap? And then in the Venn diagram of twelve oh two and HFC, where is the where is the coverage live? Um, because that is like for me, it's always been kind of a retrospective. It's not retrospective, but it's it's been more of a um, like experiential and also hard facts about like what what you can expect about the conference uh and so yeah i the I, way i sort of view it and having listened to you know what you've done in the past is yours is very much more around you know yeah them, them hard bits around you know what is the conference itself what is it you know how many people attended da, 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 you know that sort of stuff um whereas mine i think is going to be more um a lot softer um uh, okay. in terms of you know how did you find it uh, 
did you, did you give anybody a big hug um you know that that sort of thing and um so more about their reflection on their experience rather than a hard read on or a, a harder read on what the conference is gotcha so okay that's the way because I've, I've deliberately put questions together that ideally what i should be able to do is slice and dice them that um if we get it right that there's some questions that i want to use and there'll be some questions from the same people that we can use in this why don't you organize them in a way where you think yes those questions would likely be this and ask them in the second half and and put them together so that way you ask like the questions for your show up front and hfc in the back and that way that's kind of what i've done okay, um right. So, in fact, let me just quickly check that I've done that. I'm, in my head, I've done that, but I just wanted to double yeah, check. Yeah, and uh, if... Uh, um, who's first? Becky's first. So... Um, yeah, so I've got the who, how, what do you do? How did you get involved? Because I've got a lot of the staff involved as well. What, what do you think of the virtual live mix? Then we got into highlights, surprising, did you learn anything new? So yeah, that immediately splits itself into into, okay. into, into half. So, um, and we should get possibly sort of five ten minutes from each person cool. um, for, for each half. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, let me know. Keep me appraised, obviously, and we'll. I mean, we have a we have a month to put our uh, copy together over here. So you know, whenever yours goes out, it'd be cool to sched co-schedule these. Um, yeah. So um, that way we cross promote and everything. Uh, which would drop, I guess, twenty week of twenty something May, um, which yeah, gives us I, a month. I was supposed to have an interview lined up, ready to go on Monday, but obviously that didn't happen. So, um, but that's now oh, being this be it. Um Well, no, because I I want to. There's a few skills I need to pull together with this because I've because it's going to be the audio is going to be easy. Um, right. Slice and dice. Now that's fine. It's the video that's going to um gotcha bring me a new bring me a new set of skills um and how i pull that lot together so i don't know quite how that's going to work yet um and that's why i'm going to need i'm going to need the other laptop um to to learn how to do that so i'm, I'm quite looking forward and that's one of the reasons for doing it this way because it's i've never done like significant audio uh significant video editing so i want to cool with that quite good fun. yeah so, so let's plan for a 26 may release uh let's that gives us one month um to process everything to uh so 26 may for for me uh human factors cast on thursday you could do 23 may yeah um yes yeah, so it's, it's, uh, in the same week yeah same week and then you could cross-reference you know on your show say hey you know check out human factors cast for my full review and uh whatever uh later on and then um you know provide a link to we'll we'll establish the url ahead of time um so yeah. you can provide a link you know obviously it won't be live until thursday but um you know, I'll set oh, we'll it early for Thursday. We'll it, yeah, we'll make yeah. it all work. Um, no, that would be quite cool because then you, then you'll we'll get split both perspectives from it. And um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be rather neat. I think so. so. That is a true collaborative effort on conference coverage. I love it. Yeah, um, and and I like like you say, it's that getting the you know establishing or solidifying. I guess the the what do both podcasts do? Why you know why do we have two? You know, yeah, what, what exactly. Which I think is is also quite a neat thing to play with. I think so too. Yeah. Where's where's the Venn diagram? Mm, yes. So. Um, and by the way, uh, if you all want to navigate to uh, what is it? www.humanfactorssyndicate.com. 
Uh, that is now a registered domain under the Human Factors Cast umbrella. <laughs> really? Oh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured. Okay, so look, like there, a lot of things were taken, like collective or group or you know, anything like that. And I'm like, what? What really are we? And I looked up synonyms, and I was like, syndicate. And if you look up the dictionary definition of syndicate, which I am doing now. Okay, you do that. Uh, it says a group of individuals or organizations combined to promote some common interest. Well, there we go. That's cool. Therefore, Human Factors Syndicate is this umbrella that we're we're calling ourselves. Um, HFS. HFS. If if we call that uh, Human Factors and Ergonomics Syndicate, Oh, geez. Yeah. No, we can't. We get hit with some trademarks there for sure. Well, what was quite interesting, I was talking to a guy who I've interviewed on my podcast before. Um, he runs um, a company that deals with ergonomic furniture. And when he set up the company, he obviously set up a website, which he got as ergonomics.co.uk. Um which they're not, you then also had the Ergonomic Society sort of going, because the before CIA chair, it was called the Ergonomic Society. And um, and so the Ergonomic Society then was like, oh, we should have a website. Let's call it ergonomics.co.uk. Oh, it's taken. So that's why the Ergonomic Society was the ergonomics.org.uk. Um, and so they haven't been able to get exclusive, ex, you know, exclusive rights over all of the, um, all of the tags and even now that it's the turned into because it went to the um institute of ergonomics and human factors hf um and now it's cihf they've still kept the that ergonomics.org.uk is the domain um but guy still has um guy of osborne ergonomics has um has ergonomics.co.uk which i think is very clever of him who has ergonomics.com oh i don't know not know well, that could be clever, couldn't it? Oh, no one has it. Well, it, 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 uh, IP couldn't be reached. So, like... Oh, no. Um, that's true. Oh. We, we can look up who is. Uh, let's see. Who is... Uh, look up domain. We can see who it's registered to. I can look up here. Uh, it's uh, ergonomics.com. It says it is registered to contact private age, private contact privacy Inc. Oh, okay. Hold on. There's uh, there, there's an address here. Um, I'm not going to say this on air, but there there is a physical mailing address associated with Ergonomics.com, and if you look at that physical address. Uh, you're looking at a little store um, in in uh, Toronto, California. Or, or sorry, to, no, never mind. Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Okay, never mind. We're not. Well, there's a. Oh wait, no. There's a. There's an. There's an Ontario, California. Is that? Oh, wow. There is. Yeah. So that's that's why I got confused because um, it said CA. Uh, anyway, so you're looking at a little little building that says T-U-C-O-W-S Takaos. 
Um, I feel like a internet sleuth right now, like looking up who who is this that owns ergonomics.com. You know what I've just found that there is? What's that? Ergonomics.group. Oh, Th those, uh, I got to say, we do pay a premium on the dot media. <laughs> like mm. those, um, oh, this, this would be a premium as well. This is not, so I'm just, yeah. on my own. but it's still, I mean, it's not, it's not horrific. Oh, no. Um, but it, it's, uh, 16, I better buy that now before so. we sell it back to him. Let's see here. Um, ergonomics.fun ergonomics.fun ergonomicsweb.online dot science there's the dot science domain ergonomics.space I want that just for the fun of it ergonomics dot uh, dot biz ergonomics.vip oh wow <laughs> that's incredible so you so obviously they do have premium right premium. you can have ergonomists.com two thousand pounds a year when normally you're paying like sort of five five pounds a year that's what's that responsiveness.com six thousand pounds a year hey by the way have you all thought about um you know what i'm i'm not even gonna say it live on air i know <laughs> I don't want anyone to snag it. Uh, just saying. I sent it to you in Discord. You can see. Um, but like, uh, what? Oh, really? Yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, I should get that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for the price, like, <laughs> you could transfer it later. Um, I feel like that is probably in your best interest. Uh, <laughs> oh my. The .co.uk version of that as well. Yeah, you should do both. Um, yeah. And have it redirect because that would be uh, really great for you, I think. Um, <laughs> Redi <laughs> but redirect to which website? <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what the right answer is, yes. but I also know what, what, what the other answer is. <laughs> oh, so if, if you're listening as one of our... Um, Patreons, you've got no idea what we talked about. And that, that's no idea. And, and well, uh, uh, we didn't say it live either because we don't want people to snag those domains that we just found at our gold mines. Mm. Uh, and now I feel like we should because I think anyone uh, with a reasonable idea probably thinking about the same thing. Um, well, only if their minds work in the same way as ours work. Maybe. Um, and actually, unless you're in the UK, you're probably not going to be as relevant. Um, well, still, the, the the thing with that is um, if they ever want to come knocking and say, hey, we want this, uh, then they can resell it for a much higher price. Yes. Uh, that's that's the that's the rub. Um, oh, no. What do I normally use as my domain broker? Anyway, um, yes, I, I'm going to look at that later. Oh, don't do that. Go away. Oh, I do that, do I? Now that I'm looking, there's a bunch of HFES ones that are available too. HFES.us. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if HFES.co.uk is available. Uh, it it is available. Um, really? 
<laughs> I feel like you should buy that one too and have it redirect uh, as like a friendly competition thing. Um, man, like I I don't know, uh, buying and sitting on some of these domains would be so much fun. I just like you know you have them all redirect, but for for what? Like, does it show up in Google indexing? You know, if if somebody searches that then do you have good enough seo for it to redirect that type of thing like is it worth it i don't know um for for i think for um you know for you i think it makes sense yes no i think it's um it certainly is as um oh yes this is sort of what we went to last month um I need to go get my other thing as well. Oh, geez, Barry. You know, humanfactorspodcast.com is available. That's annoying. Oh, you, you, you can end up spending a fortune just on domain names. Yeah. Which is what, what it's about, isn't it? So, Yeah, it really is. Um, really, now it's a race. Uh, well, now we've opened up this kind of worms. Yeah, it's a race between you and I to snag Human Factors Podcast. Um, well, given I don't have my wallet with me, then you're going to beat me. So go for it. I won't hold it against you. I don't cast. Uh, let's see here. That would mean I have purchased uh, <laughs> three domains this week. Well, well done. <laughs> All right, humanfactorspodcast.com. You can always visit that. <laughs> It'll redirect to our website. Um yeah, check that out. There you go. All right. That's uh that's happening. Um I have to uh forward your domain to another website. We're gonna do Why don't I have uh This has been an, an interesting dive into the into the world of. Um... It certainly has. Um... Make, makes you wonder what other ones you can get as well. In fact, I just, let me just uh, there we go. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, that's taken because I know who's got that because it's me. But... Oh, what twelve oh two podcast. No, my uh, K-Sharp one. Oh, well, you know, I just snagged 1202 the com too. Um, <laughs> had it redirect uh, to... Uh... <laughs> what a great way to troll other people. <laughs> like, I, I didn't really buy that one, by the way. I did buy Human Factors Podcast, and now that one, it, it redirects to us. But um, we're sister podcasts, so it's all fine. Eventually, I'd like to build out the syndicate website, though, and, um, you know, really, really have that to be a a syndicated. Uh, it almost goes back to radio, syndicated radio. Right. Uh, have that be a a true collaborative space where it you know promotes everybody uh, that mm. is under this umbrella that we're working with. Um, Even in fact, this cast dot live is free. Oh. Dot live. Mm. Interesting. Humanfactorscast.world. Dot world. That's it. I mean, right what, what more do you possibly need? Uh, mm. Anyway, I should really go to bed. Oh, yeah, it's time. 
I didn't, I didn't even realize we had so much fun uh, talking about domains. I was just, I was just like, um, go to, oh, that'd be why. Okay. Yeah, you should uh, definitely grab a couple of those that we talked about, though. And um, for everyone watching and listening, thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, we'll be back Indeed. next week to talk about something presumably interesting. The stories this upcoming week could be, uh, I don't know, some stuff. Uh, I usually like to do some sort of preview. Um, see. Next week is going to be. Oh, no, no, I can still do next week. Oh, that's fine. Good. Because be oh, it's election day next week. Oh, next Thursday. So can we like live stream the election result? Oh, you'll know. Will Will you know? No, by... Because the count is until the next day. This is this, this is a travesty. Oh, um, no. because every other every other election, almost every other election I've been in has always been. You do the you spend all of Thursday slogging away. Uh, polls close at ten o'clock, and then you're into go straight to the count and watch watch the results rolling. Um, but they're not. They're they're counting them the next day. No. So you will have a Ugh. very tired me, um, of which you will be elated to have exercised your uh, right to vote for yourself. Yes, indeed. I will do the whole weird bit where you voted for yourself, which I always feel is a bit wrong. Um, but then also, if you only ever get, if you, if you go to the election and only get one vote, you know that you're the only person who voted for you. Yes. Um, I have attended an election once where a candidate got no votes. That means they didn't even vote for themselves. That's impressive. <laughs> it was quite, quite bizarre. They they went a bit red. It was funny. Um, anyway, so yes, I so I will probably be able to because I won't be campaigning up to, but I, I it'll probably be more like ten to ten to ten that I will drop in. That's fine. Um, I'll try to get most of it out of the way. Uh, but, quick. Quick preview of next week's news stories. Uh, humanity's broken risk perception is reversing global pro gro global progress in a spiral of self-destruction, finds new UN report. So that'll be fun to talk about. Uh, study reveals a set of brain regions that can control complex sequences of movement. And That's then, of cool. course, there's the IEEE standard making autonomous vehicles safer, and the chatbots could one day replace search engines. Those ones have been hanging on by a thread for the last couple weeks. So uh, we're, we're including them again. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. Right. I'm going to go to bed. All right. I you go to bed. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us. Uh, we'll see you next week. And uh, you all take care of yourselves. Indeed. Have a jolly good time. All right. Bye.